When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the first of the Sentinels Stoke City's new podcast uh, called Delilah. I'm joined. I'm Pete Smith, and I'm joined by Martin Spinks. Good morning, Pete. And we're starting moment. Yeah, this, this could go down in posterity. This is a relaunched podcast. I think you started it when Stoke first won promotion to the Premier League. If you can remember those, well, it wasn't those me, days. but uh, yeah, we did have one back then. And the beauty of the podcast is, of course, people can't see us. <laughs> yeah, I won't well, tell. Any, we could see each other. I won't tell anyone what you're wearing. But he is fully dressed. But yeah, we'll I, get I, back to the to the point. Stoke made the first signing of the summer, Darren Fletcher. Yeah, there's only one place to start, and it's great that we're launching this podcast with so much to talk about, Pete. Isn't it? First summer signing um, to mixed reviews, I think it's fair to say, and I think there's one main reason for that, and that's obviously um, Darren Fletcher's age, 33. Um, I was lucky enough to speak to him on the phone last night, and um, I've got to say what a wonderful guy he is uh, on first impressions. Uh, there can't be too many Premier League footballers, Pete, who answer a number they don't recognise on the mobile phone, but uh, Darren Fletcher did, and we had a good natter. And he was very upfront. Um, he mentioned his age before I did, actually. So uh, I jumped in at that point and said, Well, as you mention your age, and uh, as you do in these situations, you have to bust them up a bit and say something like, You know, most 33 year olds, Darren, are starting to put the feet up, but you, you appear to have a, a lot of fuel left in the tank. and and he was adamant about that. Um, he says he feels a lot younger, his body feels a lot younger. And um, he made the point, and, and again, he raised the illness that he had, this dreadful um, colonic rectal illness, which sounds very unpleasant. He raised that subject, he's very open about it. Um, but he says that the one benefit of being out for so long, uh, over a couple of periods, but about two years and all, wasn't it, was that it rested his muscles and his joints. And so he feels that's why now at 33, he's perhaps realistically a lot younger in, in actual terms, and why he's got a lot left to give. And he's certainly looking forward to the challenge. It sounds like he needed a fresh challenge. He'd done brilliantly at West Brom, hadn't he? And he kept emphasising 91 consecutive Premier League games. He's obviously proud of that. I didn't like to throw in the fact that John Walters had uh, he passed by 100. Well, yeah, uh, but yeah. John Walters is, a, is really is a unique physical specimen, but I, I suspect Darren Fletcher isn't far behind. Um, so he's very proud of that record at West Brom, 91 successive um, league games, and he says that proves that I've overcome the illness and, and the body's good. Do you just hope it's good for another two or three years? The important question is, do you buy into that? Do you think he's, he's fit to carry on in the, at the top flight? I don't know. None of us know for sure, do we? I think it's important that mentally he is and I, I think he is mentally but that doesn't always carry the body through and sometimes the body can go quick or the legs can go quick and that would be the worry Pete um, that at that age it can happen almost overnight to players it's happened so often before and, and the last thing Stoke want is, is a player whose legs go with a couple of years left on his contract he's got an option of a third, con- a third year by the way you tell me um, but that's yeah hopefully not hopefully he knows his body well and he's not going to put himself through that embarrassment he must really believe deep down that he can do it 
over that length of time. I think the important thing to realise as well is that he's not going to come to Stoke as a box-to-box midfielder. He's always been known for his stamina. But yeah, I think Mark Hughes will have a specific job in mind for him. Well, I, I think so. I mean, he made the point that he's he still performed both roles under Tony Pulis at West Brom. And you, of course, you're these, talking about a box-to-box midfielder and a defensive midfielder. Yeah, he's done both roles. He's, he's been asked to do both roles, and of course, he could be asked to do both roles within the same game. Games change, so he's got that versatility which he says he's, still, he's very proud of having. But I think you're right, by and large, the vast percentage of his time on the pitch for Stoke. And it makes sense at his age, he's going to be as a defensive midfielder. Um, and it's a job he can obviously do well. He's, he's got that ability to pass as well, so I think he can build from the back. Um, he's obviously got a good footballing brain. So if we put aside his age, Pete, I'm quite excited about signing. And I can see you are as well in your own way. Yeah, I think that's right. I, th- I, I would say that Stoke haven't needed to, to. Sorry, Stoke have had a defensive midfielder in, in situ for the past nine and a half years. Hmm. So it'll be interesting what happens next. Well, yeah, I think we've got to be realistic here, haven't we? That it's it's an aging squad as things stand. I'm sure that will change over the summer. I'm sure younger players will come in, but I think one or two of the older players, it might be the end of the road, depending on what offers come in. The elephant in the room, you haven't named him, but you're obviously talking about Glenn Whelan, nine and a half years, sterling work. And how often have you and I, and, and plenty others, whenever there's been a new midfielder come into the club, have said, well, that's that's probably it for Glenn now. Going back as far as probably Dean Whitehead, what year did he come, 2010, 20, 2009? Yeah, Pretty early on in the Premier League anyway. Um, uh, going on through Nzonzi to Ingula and, and, and Palacios, plenty more. He's seen them all off, hasn't he? But he's 33 as well, and he has done a lot of work. He hasn't had two years off, like Darren Fletcher. And we know the workload he's had under Tony Pulis and Mark Hughes. Yes, William has been keen to mention that himself whenever we've spoken to him. He's brought up the fact that the club has brought in a supposed upgrade, and he's been able to see them off. Absolutely. Most recently, 18.3 million. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he didn't name him by name, did he? But I'm no doubt he was perhaps referring to that. Mm. Um, but you made a point earlier off off mic, as it were, that it's the bonus with Fletcher is he's, he's going to be a specific midfielder coming in to do a specific job, although he says he can still, still do the box to box. Whereas other midfielders have come in and been asked to do a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of everything. Um, and that's maybe the difference with Darren Fletcher. And if that is the case, as we suspect, it's really him or Whelan, isn't it? There's not going to be room for both of them, unfortunately. Or, or Jeff Cameron, do you throw him into the mix as well? well he had that role last season. Absolutely, but he, he's got athleticism on his side uh, and he's got age on his side. But only just, he's only a couple of years younger, actually, now, isn't he? We forget how long Jeff Cameron's been here. He's got a teenage haircut, Jeff Cameron. Yeah, he's trying to look young, isn't he? He's doing his best. To be fair, he's succeeding, by and large, just in case he's listening <laughs> from America. Yeah, hello. Good day, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, I don't say that in America, that's Australian. <laughs> but, but yeah, Jeff Cameron's obviously in the mix. Charlie Adam, if we're talking about older midfielders, but a very different midfielder to, to Glenn Whelan and, and to Darren Fletcher. So I'd like to think there's a place for Charlie Adam, certainly in the match day squad, because we all know what he can do when he comes off the bench. But in terms of starting games, that's going to get less and less for Charlie. I think that's just a fact of life. It sounds like you're expecting an exit. Well, I think so. Just simply because of the, of the numbers, but it all depends who comes in. I mean, who's going to come in for Glenn Whelan? He won't want to drop to the Championship, will he? He'll want to carry on in the Premier League. He'll, he'll feel he's good enough to do that. And I'm sure at the right club he would be. So you look at the promoted clubs straight away. I mean, Huddersfield, I'm sure they could do with that kind of player. I mean, Dean Whitehead. 
Well, that would be the irony. He'd be playing along, alongside Dean White if he can't get in the team at the moment, so he may move on, who knows. But having watched Huddersfield at Wembley in the playoff, fantastic victory for him. And I was rooting for them, I think, like most neutrals. It's, it's a great story. But you looked at that team, Pete, and they're going to need five or six players at least, aren't they, to, to even begin to challenge to stay in the league. But it's going to be characters like Whelan. Whether Glenn wants to go turn the clock back to 2008 and go through what he went through with Stoke for a couple of seasons again, perhaps uh, I don't know whether he wants to do that, but that might be the kind of offer that comes his way, if any do come his way this summer. I should say that having spoken to, to Whelan quite recently, he did hint that a midfield, he expected a midfielder, maybe he even knew that Darren Fletcher was coming into the club, and he's up for the fight, he's not going to leave Stoke in a hurry. No. He, he no. genuinely loves the club, doesn't he? He's loved Absolutely. to be a part of this journey. I would imagine, knowing Glenn, he would say, well, OK, as you say, roll the sleeves up, let's see what happens in pre-season. But if it's clear in pre-season that, that Fletcher's going to get the nod every time and maybe in the opening couple of league games, then that leaves a week or two, doesn't it, before the window shuts. And that may be, I mean, we're speculating here, but that may be when we see some movement that might involve... Um, well, whatever happens, he, when he does leave Stoke, he'll be a hero. Um, well, well, nothing can change that. Bit. Yeah, who, who knows when that time will come? Absolutely, at the moment. nothing can change that. Just moving on a little bit, but still talking about uh, possible transfers. It's a bit of a fluid situation at centre half. You're well, still looking at Bruno Martins, who had such an impressive loan spell from Porto. He's heading back to Porto. I mean, the vibes. Re- re- speaking to people who should know what's going on at the club, they don't seem too ruffled. They seem to think it will happen, um, whether they're waiting for common sense to prevail at the Porto end, because there's been changes at Porto, haven't there, with the coach and what have you. The, the manager who axed Bruno unceremoniously last summer is, is now in, in charge of Wolves. Yeah, so he's not going to go to Wolves, that's for sure. No. Um, it may be that Porto changed the mind and say to Bruno, look, we want to keep you. But whether he wants to stay, you know, he's enjoyed his year here, hasn't he? He's proved himself in the Premier League. I'm sure, given the choice between playing in Portugal and England, no disrespect, but he'll want to play here, won't he? Because of the glitz, the glamour. And if he's thinking ahead, it's the best shot window for his next move, wherever that might be. Maybe he'd like to play in the Premier League with Portuguese conditions. Well, I'm sure that's the case, yeah. He's, he's not been slow to moan about that. But I think he's become acclimatised, hasn't he? Every time we speak to him, he seems a little happier with the climate, with the fact that he's, his young family's settled in, where is he, Nutsford, isn't he? Not sure. Nutsford, yeah, which is a nice enough part of the world. Uh, he's a different character, isn't he? We, and he, he loves English custard. Well, you got that out of him, didn't you? He, he turned up. Uh, there's a mix zone outside the players' exit at the about three six five stadium. Bruce turned up with a with a pudding, not just for himself but for his family, and it looked like he was going to scoff a lot. And he was telling the assembled press back how much he he was in love with with English warm puddings. What was it? Bottle of custard or something? I think it was mostly custard, yeah. Maybe a bit of chocolate sponge in there as well. Did they not get that in Holland? Or I think he had it ordered. He used to import it from England when he was living in Holland. Uh, oh, he could have been telling us anything, really. But it seemed he, to he has got a sense of humour, so I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. Um, but, but we're all agreed. We want to see him back. He's nothing to prove, has he? In no. terms of being a defender and slotting alongside the guy next to him who we may come on to talk to. Uh, well, well he, he, was, he was a perfect partner for Ryan Shawcross, mm-hmm. isn't he? I mean, Shawcross has played alongside a few in his time at Stoke, his 10 years at Stoke, and Robert Huth was perhaps the most successful until Bruno came. Perhaps Bruno is quite similar to, to Huth in that he's no-nonsense, not afraid to put his head where it hurts. Um, well, would you say there's been three 
great central defensive partnerships in terms of success and longevity in the Premier League. You've mentioned two. Abdullah. That's the other. They all involve Shawcross. Bruno, who's, and obviously Abdullah for that first 18 months or so. And Ryan himself will say how much he learned off Abdullah. He did. I remember Shawcross giving a great anecdote about Abdullah. He said in, a, in that first Premier League season that he reckoned that Abdullah was the second best defender in the Premier League behind Vidic. He said... When he turned up for pre-season the next, uh, for the next season, he discovered food in the summer and he was never the same player. No, well, he was never a great trainer. And Hoofy had arrived in that time, hadn't he? He started yeah. at right back and then he helped Stoke onto the next level alongside Shrugs yeah. in the middle. But yeah, that, as you say, that 18 months or so with Abdullah Fai when he was just a colossus, wasn't he? I think Tony Pulis will tell you that he knew from day one he had to get, keep Abdullah on the straight and narrow because he knew what a great player he could be, especially for the team at that time, which he was. But he knew at some point he was going to lose him. And it was probably after that first season when he was player of the year, wasn't he? So maybe he took yeah. his foot off the gas a bit. There were a few contenders for player of the year that year. You look at well, Sorensen, uh, Delap, Fuller. Yeah. And, and Abdullah was run away. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he was immense. I don't know how we got onto Abdullah, but... Whenever we do, we everybody waxed lyrical about him because he was so important to the team, and without him, and one or two others, but particularly him, it might not have, we might not be here now talking about the Premier League. You, you tell a funny story about how, um, and Matt Bagley does as well, who covered Stoke for for a long time. How Abdullah has got a voice which doesn't quite match his uh, stature. I can't remember the first time I heard it. it. Might have been at Newcastle when he scored that late um, equaliser. It might have been there. And you see this hulk of a guy coming towards you, and, and, and he is intimidating, even when he's smiling. And then when he opens the mouth and starts giggling, it's, I wouldn't say like a little girl, but it's a lot higher than you perhaps anticipate. I'd, I'd like to think what his singing's like. But yeah, the, one of those, the voice doesn't go with the body. But he was, always, he was always a good laugh to speak to and tremendous player. But we were talking about Shawcross, and it's a very fluid situation, this thing, Stampede, isn't it, the centre-half? We talked about Bruno, obviously he's not signed up yet. Shawcross is approaching the final 12 months of his contract and in this day and age that sends alarm bells ringing, doesn't it, if it's a player you want to keep. And I'm assuming it's a player Stoke want to keep. I, I can't imagine it would be anything other than that. Mark Hughes has obviously got a lot of respect for, for this guy, hasn't he? Uh, he? He said he probably underestimated him before he came to Stoke. And Shawcross has, has been with Stoke for so long that perhaps we take him a little bit for granted. He signed that huge mm. contract, didn't he? Was it five years ago? Five or six years ago, yeah. So it's not been an issue for that long, yeah. um, but it's clearly becoming a bit of an issue. But I remember at the, at the time it did take a, a bit of negotiating to get that all done and dusted. So fingers crossed, it's just something similar. Well, again, you you know, as, as we were just talking about with Glenn, you think, well, okay, who's going to come in for Ryan Shawcross? I mean, there was a time when you would have really worried about bigger clubs possibly taking a punt on him. I think that moment's gone now, if we're being honest. But. I'm sure there'd be other Premier League clubs that would say, well, if you don't want him, we'll take him. Oh, absolutely. Um, whether that would happen this summer, somebody might take a, a cheeky punt, I don't know. And, and, and how would Stoke react to that? At the moment, they'd have to say no, wouldn't they? They couldn't afford to lose a centre-half of any description. Well, he, he, he's but, such a big figure in, in well, the squad. I, yeah, it that, would that be a monumental it. decision to let him go uh, at this stage. Um, and of course he's coming up to 10 years isn't he it's, yeah. it's in this day and age is a, is a phenomenal oh, well, as you said with Whelan I mean Shawcross is in the yeah. Hall of Fame already but oh, while well, his contract is up in the air the, 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 it is he's open for discussion I guess but you're right 
about taking it for granted. I think we, we could all be guilty of that, and that happens when people have always been there. It seems like they've always been there, and, and perhaps we would only really appreciate Ryan Shawcross when he's suddenly gone. But I would say that Shawcross obviously loves the club too, and he's settled mm-hmm. in the area, and, and he. I think he appreciates that the role that he's got here. He's taken it on board. He appreciates. He likes being captain. Yeah. He takes the responsibility. And he's got a sense of history. He's now building up quite a CV at Stoke, and he's putting himself up towards the gods, shall we say? Yeah. You know, in, in defensive terms, the Dennis Smiths. You know, and I'm sure he'll want to be talked about in the same breath when his time comes after retirement. The only interesting thing that I might throw at you is that he said he'd like to test himself at one stage in. A foreign league. He mentioned the Bundesliga when I've spoken to him in the past. So that'd be interesting. He'll be 30 in October. It'd be a hell of a gamble, wouldn't it? I would think more likely the MLS or China or somewhere lucrative for a couple of years when uh, when we're finished with him. We'll let him go then. Yeah, we're not going to let him go. We'll worry a few more, Bob. We want him to stay for a long time to come. Uh, Moving just behind to Shawcross and, and, and Bruno, Jack Butland is... He's, he's actually been in Monaco um, yeah, last week. Pre, wasn't he? Then yeah. this week he was saving dogs, and next week we're going to see him again. He'll be in the England squad. Do you think he'll play against Scotland? Well, I asked you this question the other day, and I got a very interesting answer off you. Go on, you, you take the floor. I think he'll start against Scotland in a World Cup qualifier after just five games back. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and, and uh, it wouldn't be a shock if he didn't, but. but if I was going to place a bet, I, I would think that Gareth Southgate is going to put his hat on Jack Butland as his man. The way that Southgate has been with him through this uh, the horrible year that Butland's had, uh, inviting him to England get-togethers, he very much sees him as the man for the future. The yeah, future the starts man, now. The for the present. Yeah, I think so. I just think he might be tempted, but I just think he, realize, he would realise that he'd be creating a real rod for his own back manager This is if he puts Butland in, because it would create such a furore wouldn't he it would be doing that and, and if something happened it would come back on the manager well that was a bad selection yeah I just I, I mean I hope you're right I, I think I, I, don't, I don't really have faith in him especially against Scotland. I think he'll be asking himself who's the better keeper at the moment Joe Hart or Jack Butler well we haven't seen enough of Hart have we we're just relying on reports and they've been mixed haven't they at Interino mixed has been a bit generous has that been generous yeah um I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the calendar year Jack is number one for England whether it would happen this soon if it doesn't happen for him on Saturday they then play France three days later in a friendly and I would be very disappointed if he didn't get at least half a game there's also Tom Heaton and Fraser Forster in the squad to consider so I would imagine he's going to play at least one other in the France game and if he rates Jack as highly as we think he does you would think he would try and get him in otherwise why have him back in the squad you want to see him in action you thought whether it'll happen at Hamden Pete you really think yeah I think yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised if, if that message it's great, great call if you're right if that message got through to Stoke because it was a bit harsh on Lee Grant wasn't it to be left out with five games left of the season I was see what you mean ah tip so, the wink get yeah. him in as early as you can because we might want to use him England yeah. He, pr- he pr- proved himself, kept a couple of clean yeah. sheets. The, the last day at Southampton, he was terrific. He, he made a howler at the end of the first half when he, he got tackled by his mate. I always forgive record. goalkeepers when it's when it's the ball at the feet. I know it's I know the game's changed, but I don't call them real mistakes. Real <laughs> mistakes are when they drop the ball. We wanted to do a couple of those every now and again just to scare off Pep Guardiola. 
but yeah, yeah, in the second half he was outstanding well and I think Jack sometimes if there is a criticism and it's a very minor one he can get a bit complacent because he's so good and I think that gave him a right kick up the backside at the end of the first half and maybe helped inspire what happened in the second half because he was outstanding wasn't he yeah. um, and I th- you know, everybody's saying what a great result it was and I think few people forgot really you know, Southampton deserves to get that game for being honest and Jack Butland would stop them doing that and we forget sometimes that Butland's had a year out and he's come back and he's still only 24 and he's got the best part of a dozen years out of him Yeah, and he's going to keep getting better it's an exciting time can start keep hold of him yeah this summer but in 12 months time you know if he has a half decent season and I think he'll have more than a half decent season and on the evidence of previous seasons he's going to be busy isn't he I mean let's not forget Last two seasons, the player of the year has been the goalkeeper, so it could well be in for another busy season. Um, so I think we've got to be realistic. One of the big ones are going to come in for him at some point, probably in twelve months. At this point in time, we won't be complaining if Jack Butland's played so well that he want that the best clubs in the world want to sign him. Well, there comes a point when Stoke can't stand in his way, can they? If a Champions League club comes in and it looks as though he's going to be their number one, the worst thing would be if he doesn't Asmir Begovic. Stoke lose a great goalkeeper, as they did with Asmir, but of course they did have a replacement for Asmir, Jack Butland. But if they lost Jack Butland in 12 months and he goes and sits on the bench at Stamford Bridge or the Etihad, that, that would be terrible for Stoke and terrible for Jack. One thing you're overlooking is that Jota Shakiri said yesterday that he, he fancies Stoke to do a Leicester. <laughs> they can win the league and then be in the Champions League themselves. He's another interesting one to interview, isn't he? Um, you sure that was translated right? Yeah. You were doing the translation. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty confident. There's yeah. nothing like fighting talk, and that really is fighting talk. But well, we, we, we couldn't see, of course, in the, in the newspaper report from Switzerland, he always has a cheeky grin when you're yeah. talking to him. Yeah. And we don't know how cheeky that grin was when he's saying that. He certainly had a grin when we finished interviewing him after the end of season awards. And I, as you do, you just, oh, good luck in, uh, in, the, Interna- in the World Cup. And he said, World Cup? That's next year. I said, no, no, the qualifiers. And then he looked back again and said, but we're playing the Faroe Islands. <laughs> well, we'll see how they get on if they go and lose. It's got a screamer last night against Belarus. In the yes, Germany. we've got that on, uh, on the website, haven't we? It, yeah, it's up. Yeah, have, a, have a look. It's, uh, he cuts in from the right and then in typical Skiri fashion lets one rip from about 25 yards into the top left-hand corner. I'd just rather see him do that for, in a big game for Stoke than a meaningless friendly for Switzerland. But I'd like to see him score some tap-ins. But well, yeah. I think that's beyond, beyond him. Uh, there will be some business involving Stoke this summer. Uh, a lot of business, I think, we're expecting. Um, I would say another three, possibly four. Incomings. Incomings, yeah. I would think so. I'll just throw a couple of names at you. Uh, Max Cruz from Germany. And a lad uh, from England, a uh, bit of an unknown name, Wayne Rooney. Well, you can answer that one. I'm not even going to get my hands dirty on that one. <coughs> we'll, we'll come on to him in a minute. Cruz was a great little story, wasn't it? I mean, it was gossip from, was it from Germany? From Delft, I think. Yeah. And because he plays for Werder Bremen, where Monatich um, came from. Sound like similar characters, don't they? What, what is it he's addicted to? Poker. And Nutella? Poker. <laughs> no, I've never eaten the stuff. It's like a chocolate spread, isn't it? That's right. Hazelnut uh, praline. It? it looks disgusting. I love chocolate, but that looks disgusting. But apparently he's addicted to it. He's quite open about it. And he sounds, sounds quite a character. We'd love him in that respect. I don't, I don't know much about him as a player. But uh, United were linked with him this morning. So whatever... Man United. Yeah. Whatever uh, pretensions we may have had. 
Okay. There might be an end to it. But it sounds an interesting character. We'll, we'll keep an eye on him. It might be worth reporting whether he plays for Stoke or not, by the sounds of it. Uh, the other one is, is Rooney. Well, this, you, you can go on, you can answer that. I mean, this was put out by the Sunday people last weekend, and it flies in the face of everything that Mark Hughes has been saying about this transfer window, getting the age down, concentrating on defence rather than attack. But the one thing I would say is that if the door did open to Stoke about the possibility of signing England's record goalscorer, would they immediately slam it shut? Who's Stoke? Yeah. Well, what was the figure mentioned? Forty-five million. It's a forty-five million pound package, which would involve the fifteen million Man United covering his wages uh, for the remainder of his contract there, and his wages for the next couple of years. Mm. There was just nothing in that story that stacked up. Sometimes, you know, you read gossip there and you think, oh, "No, that won't happen." But then you read something within the story and think, "Oh, maybe, maybe." But there was just nothing in that story to recommend it, was there? Why, why would Wayne Rooney want to come to Stoke? You know, no disrespect, but he's not going to make that kind of move at this stage of his career, is he? I think he's gone on record, hasn't he? He said Everton's the only other club in England he'd play for. Everton he's, he's going to chase the big money. Everton are increasingly distancing themselves from, from Rooney. Yeah, we all know there's a question mark over his fitness, isn't there? And that's going to scare a few people off anyway, in footballing terms. Um, the other thing with Wayne Rooney, let's say he did come to Stoke, you know, if I was the owner of Stoke City, would I want the circus that comes with Wayne Rooney on my doorstep? You know, everything he does is in the spotlight, isn't it? On and off the pitch. And of course, it would all reflect back on your football club if he's your player. If I was the owner, I'm not too sure I'd want that. I couldn't necessarily agree with that. If you were the owner, I'm talking. Yeah. I know you'd love him as a journalist, but would you, if you were the owner, he, he's, the, he's the kind of guy who would spread Stoke's name around the world. But he's not the Wayne Rooney of even two or three years ago, is he? You know, he's, I can say a spent force, he's not quite a spent force, but he's clearly not anywhere near the player he was. And there have been people who, who work closely up there who have been telling me for a long time that his lifestyle is such that it will catch up with him sooner than it should. Oh, how old is he now, Pete? 32? I'm not sure. Yeah. I think he might be younger than that. Maybe 30? Yeah. But he's been on the scene for so long, hasn't he, for the, since he was 17. So. Yeah. No, but anyway, it was good. It was a good one to uh, talk about for a few days, wasn't it? But it clearly okay. isn't going to happen. Okay. Well, before we let you go, Martin, I'm, I'm just going to run through some, uh, some numbers with you, to do some number crunching. I think, when did you start handing out player ratings in the Sentinel? Probably over 20 years ago. Right, okay. And in that, in that time, how well, many... it was, because... Well, no, I'll tell you a little story. When I was covering Port Vale, there was a guy called Neil Aspin, who Port Vale fans will remember. In fact, most Stoke fans of that era will remember. They respect him. I remember Luce, Luke McCarry saying that um, him and Martin Ford were probably the two Port Vale players he'd have taken in the pomp. And I remember Neil Aspin accosting me one day, and um, he's not the sort of guy you look in the eye too often. Mean, mean character when he wanted to be, but a good, good guy. And he said, you've got to remember, this is in the days, remember when there was no internet, it was just the newspaper. He said, you've got to remember that the mark you give sums up, for the people who don't come to the game, sums up our whole week's work in the eyes of the people reading it in the paper. So he was basically saying, think, think on, give me a higher mark next week. But I did think on, and, and he was right. So it's something you, you should, if, you, if you've got the pleasure of doing it, pleasure, um, 
take take that with uh, the responsibility it deserves. But you don't always get it right. <laughs> you probably get more stick for this than anything else that you write in the paper. Well, you can be sure if the players are reading anything you do after a match, it's, it's going to be the ratings, isn't it? Uh, and probably ju- probably just the figure. You might not even read the little comment next to it, let alone go through the match report where you might justify whatever you've said or done in the, in the little ratings. But it's um, it's a tough one, Pete. Sometimes it's good fun to do when the team will play well. And sometimes it's good fun to do when they play really badly because you you know you've no other option. But when it's a fair to middling game, you know you, you can sometimes be a bit too generous or a bit too conservative. Well, I've got the numbers here anyway. <laughs> these, these are your average marks through the I was, season. I was whittling on to try and put this off. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the top. Um, yeah. th- this is the guy you got right. Lee Grant, seven point three nine. He tops the average. This is the average. Average of all your yeah. all the ratings that you give. Yeah, he out. was player of the year, wasn't he? No complaints with that. Lee Grant, player of the year. Uh, number two. He only played five games, but Jack Butland he came in. And as we said, he had that yeah. that stormer at Southampton, which probably swayed it. Uh, fifth, uh, fifth, no, no, fifth down, no, no, keep going down the list. Okay, Jalen in third. Yeah, good. Bruno Martins in Yeah, so the top, the top three. Players of the year, yeah, I'm looking good. And Go then on, number the next, five, Shea Given. Shea Given uh, averaging seven out of ten. Oh, this is Shea Given, who, who I think he conceded four times. But they weren't all his fault, and you know that. Well, you know, I was a, I was a goalkeeper in my youth of some ill repute, and uh, I think uh, anybody who saw me has probably forgotten that, but I haven't, and I've always had a soft spot for goalkeepers. So they've got to have a pretty bad game to get a bad mark off me. I will, I will earn up to that. I don't think I've ever given a goalie a five. No, I might be wrong, but I doubt it. I think I always blame the defence. The, the um, Shea Given actually had a, a really good game at Everton uh, when he scored, scored an own goal. The penalty came back. Oh, Leighton yeah. Bates' penalty hit him on the back of the head and went. Yeah, in. so he probably got eight that day. So that that helps. Yeah, that helps cover over what happened next. Yeah, I think it's the Crystal Palace game that. Yeah, which was his last game, was it? it he wasn't, wasn't seen since. Yeah, because uh, Grant came into the West Brom game after. He hasn't announced his retirement yet. No. Well, yeah, we were speaking to somebody who knows him pretty well and not not Shea himself, and, and they said they wouldn't be surprised if he carried on in some capacity. Oh, It'd be yeah. interesting. But he's left Stoke, hasn't he? And it, such a shame, clearly a great goalkeeper in his day, and we, we didn't see the best of him, but again, another great character. We probably saw more of them than we wanted to because Jack Butland's injury. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There we go. I'll, I'll just round off the top ten here. Um, coming in at sixth, just behind Shea Given is Shaden Shakiri, followed by Ryan Shawcross, six point nine four, Bowyer six point nine, Jeff Cameron and Phil Bardsley, and then uh, down at the other end of the end of the list, you've got Sido Berahino probably a lot on six point two. But it's all about next season for Sido, I think, where's, isn't it? Where's Wilfred Bowden? He's down there somewhere. Wilfred Bowden, but he got 6.4. Uh, uh, I think I was generous at the start. Gianni Bueller, 6.7. Mm. Uh, just behind Mark Moniasa. I'm going to have to start getting a bit tighter with these marks next season. Yeah, I think we need to. But when you first showed me that list, Ramadan's quite low down, isn't he? Where, where is he, Pete? Yeah, Ramadan is just above Wilfred Bonnie on 6.4. But I did have an excuse for that, didn't I? Because a lot of those would be marked for when they come off the bench. Yeah, the, these can. Minutes, yeah. yeah. So Ramadan, we've got a lot of sixes. One-minute cameos. Because he's come on for only a few minutes. 
Um, so yeah, you can't give him seven or eight, can you? When they've done nothing. Okay, so that concludes Mark, Mark, uh, Martin Spinks' excuse uh, <laughs> for this week. No, uh, thanks very much for, for joining us for this podcast. We hope it's it's gone all right. Bear with us while we find our feet. Uh, we'll try a few more during the summer. <laughs>